Welcome to the YWAM Orlando Teaching Podcast. We share teachings and trainings that empower Christians to overcome fear and change the world by knowing God personally and making Him known to others. If you enjoy this content, be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with others. In our discipleship training school, the teacher this week is Chris Vengela, and he is here to share with us tonight. We're excited to have Chris with us. He and his wife pioneered and lead uh, the Youth with a Mission base in Asheville, North Carolina. And we just have a, our base and their base, we've worked together closely through the years. And we just have a great appreciation for Chris and his the ministry there, but also the personal anointing and man of God and authority he work, walks in. So Chris, you can come on up. Um, welcome, Chris. So. Um, Chris lives a lifestyle of evangelism, and um, part of being an evangelist and equipping others to do it is, the, is apologetics, which is kind of answering some questions, and I think that's what Chris is kind of going to get into tonight, so we're excited to hear from you, Chris. Let me pray. So God, thanks so much for Chris. Ask your blessing and anointing on him. Ask your blessing and anointing on us to receive from you through him, God. Holy Spirit, lead our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Dean, for that. <clears throat> those kind words. Somehow my breath is just coming through the mic. I guess that's better. Thank you. Thank you very much. <clears throat> So, um, you know, I want to read uh, a couple of scriptures from um, Genesis, and, uh, and I was really pondering over the weekend, and you'll see uh, why I was pondering over the weekend about what God has for us this evening, and uh, I want to read from Genesis chapter 3, and before we go into Genesis chapter 3, just, uh, you know, a little bit of a rewind. So Genesis 1-1, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and the Spirit of the Lord moved on the face of the water, and then God starts creating. And uh, you see the first and second chapter creating, and uh, I'll pick it up from uh, the third chapter. Another thing that's fascinating here is towards the end of the second chapter, Jesus, uh, God actually gives Adam the, the opportunity to name every creature, every animal. And I think that's pretty fascinating. Every time I read that, I... I it speaks to the amount of creativity that God has put in our souls. And uh, so chapter 3, verse 1. This is a conversation between the, the serpent and Eve. The, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast in the field. And that the Lord God had made. Now I'm pretty sure it is, it is, it is very temporary truth right now. It is only talking about the, the form that, um, that, 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 that Satan took in the Garden of Eden, because I have, I have two snakes in my house, and uh, you know, if they were the most crafty, I got to be a little careful. And uh, he said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of any fruit in the tree in the garden, 
But God said, you should not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will, you will be like God's knowing good and evil. This is actually a rather pretty fascinating conversation that they're having with each other, you know, and he's negotiating with the, the serpent, the devil is negotiating with Eve about one of the most um, valuable things uh, in life at that point. And you see Eve kind of backpedaling, you know, yet she wants to go for it, she didn't want to go for it, but the serpent ends the conversation by saying, your eyes are going to be opened. And, you know, different versions say different things, but my version here says, which uh, says you will become like God, knowing good and evil. And I think becoming like God is probably one of the most dangerous things that you and I could become. Because we get to decide what is good and what is evil. This morning we were talking about truth. Truth is, 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 by definition, truth is very exclusive. It's not inclusive. It's, there's no room to include any other view. It's exclusive, absolutely. And what's happening here is nothing but there's deconstruction of the truth going on. And you can see, so one, the devil is luring Eve into becoming God and think like, think like she has the power not to just know what is good and evil, but to decide what is good and evil because he says you will become like God. You know, temptation to become like God is, is pretty strong in today's culture. Well, I should actually correct myself, not in today's culture. It's, it's, it has always been that way. Now, going back to verse 1, the, the, the devil says, <clears throat> and he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat the tree from the tree of the, of the, in the garden? So that's questioning. You know, I like questioning. We should always question uh, different parts of Scripture, but we don't have the right to deconstruct What's all, what God already said. We do not have that luxury. But here, that is exactly what's happening. The devil is luring Eve to deconstruct truth. And you know, rest is history. You know, this, this, is, this is on, uh, on Friday. Uh, one, of, one of our staff members came and said, hey, did you read Ezra's post? I said, no, I actually blocked him. No, I didn't. <laughs> You know, somehow I missed Ezra's post. And uh, I said, no, I don't know what, is, what post you're talking about. Uh, and, but, you know, they said, I have to look at the post. So I went, you know, and I looked at the post. And uh, then I lost one hour, 44 minutes of my life. <laughs> you know, but however, I didn't do it in one sitting. I did it piece by piece, every time I had a moment, I hit play on YouTube and watched the whole 144 minutes and how, how many ever seconds that is. And quite frankly, it was pretty fascinating to, uh, to see 
uh, how the message was tailored and, you know, it was so well thought through. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was the, the only thing, I, my, my only complaint here, well, many, but one of them is, I wish it was more of, uh, uh, more of uh, a conversation between an opposition view than just two people that agree upon the same thing, talking about the same thing. But it was good. It was, uh, it was rather a very good, um, uh, it was like a thermometer into our culture, maybe a Christian culture where we are. And also, uh, another thing that I, uh, that I saw is, I saw, I saw all the comments, and then I started Googling and seeing the, 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 the rapid fire that is going on. And uh, it was good it was for us. I think it's good to know where we are. It is very good to know where we are. But here's my, here's my, here's my, uh, here's my question. Not question, but rather a statement. The notion that this is a new paradigm is not true. It almost seems like people are waking up to this new conversation of deconstruction of the truth, and they think this is the newest fad, this is the greatest revelation mankind has ever had. No, it's not true at all. It started in the Garden of Eden, and it has never stopped. Growing up, we have always, I was talking to Dean just before this, and I was telling him what I was going to talk about, and he said, yeah, this has been there forever. People have always tried, it's always good to challenge the Bible, we have to challenge the Bible, but there's a massive difference between challenging the Bible and deconstructing truth. And we don't have that luxury to do so. You know, honestly, they ha it, is, it sounds like a new paradigm because of the great internet that God has given us. And that's fine. You know, and, and this is not new. Uh, this, is, this has been there forever. And this shall pass. It's, it's like, you know, they say the new cycle is, uh, what's, what's that, uh, two days, you know, 48 hours. This, this thing has a cycle too. Of course, it's more than 48 hours. But, but you know, I, I really respect their journey. And we have to. We can't badmouth. We have to respect their journey. We can't judge their hearts. You know, you can judge their hearts by saying, uh, you know, I want to judge their heart by saying, wow, they made $32 million, you know, out of this. Well, good for them. But we have to respect, I truly respect the struggles. The, do you guys know what I'm talking about? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Uh, Rhett and Link, right? Is that, is that how you say that? Yes, you, you, you guys need to. We are missionaries. We've got, we got to keep in touch with uh, what's going on. You got to, if you don't find it, just go to Ezra's page, page and you'll find it. And I do respect their journey. So basically for people that have no clue what I'm talking about, there's two young, not young, they're, gosh, maybe Around, their four, around 40 years old, uh, they, they were Campus Crusade uh, staff uh, from the Bible Belt, and uh, uh, after how many every years they have decided, man, I, they just can't do this Jesus thing, this Christian thing, because they don't think this is the most intellectual thing to do. So, you know, they have a pretty good following, you know, uh, and uh, so that's kind of the premise. Did I do justice to the story? Yeah, Rachel, she gives a thumbs up. Great. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, like they are entitled to their opinion, just like the flat earthers have their opinion. 
You know, they, they have, they, they're entitled to have an opinion about this, and it's okay. But the, but, the, but the fascinating thing here is this particular book called the Bible, which they're pretty much against, um, this has lived, outlived its own pallbearers. People try to bury this book. They try to kill it. They try to burn it. They try to totally run it through the shred, uh, paper shredder in many different expressions. But guess what? This Bible still stands. It is standing the test of time, of, of cultures, of empires. And guess what? This shall pass. No matter how powerful the internet is, it is not powerful than this. Impossible. I'm, I'm, I'm so in for the ride, I want to watch and see how the Lord comes through in this situation. But in the process, we got to respect their journey. Now, here are a few things I, I want us to consider, you know, if, whether if, if you are or you're not, you know, kind of entertaining their ideas. The fact of the matter is, so these guys are from the Bible Belt, you know, and the fact is Jesus did not die for the Bible Belt only. Because they are looking at the Bible totally with blinders of the Bible Belt. I mean, Jesse Anderson will say this all the time. The Bible was not written to you, but for you. The Bible was not written for, for, the, for, for, for the Bible Belt. And Jesus did not die for the Bible Belt. You know, it is, I would consider this an intellectual suicide to approach the Bible saying, only my culture. No, you can't. You just can't do that. It is, it is the most narrow exegesis of, of the scripture and Jesus itself. By, if, 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 you, if you come with that kind of approach. You know, not considering the global movement is equally bad. It's, we, when we approach the Bible, if you're not considering it as uh, in light of the world, in light of the tribes, in light of history, in light of people groups, in light of languages, in light of world religions, we, if we don't look at the Bible in light of that, we are, it's almost like an amputation of your own brain. You're not using your brain. We've got to approach the Bible with all that in mind. So we, the population of our planet is 7.5 billion people, correct? I'm correct. <laughs> I, I researched it. And the followers of Jesus are 31.2% out of that which means 2.1 billion of them are Christians. You know, and so that should count for something, but here's something, it's just not numbers, okay? We gotta kind of break it down a little bit more. The fastest growing, uh, where, where the followers of Jesus or Christianity where it's growing really fast is really not the Western world. So now you have totally you're looking at the Bible through the Bible Belt view, and, and you, you have lost the argument already. So when you look at these people where, uh, where they're giving their lives away to Jesus, um, in a country where you can be hung or beheaded, do you think that is lack of intellectual capacity? No. 
That is one of the most intelligent processes a human being has to go through before they say yes because they know they will be beheaded. That is intelligence. See, it's just not numbers. People are just not, see, because one of their arguments is that we are not using our intellectual capacity. That's why this movement of Jesus is happening. Maybe in your paradigm, in your world, but you have to look at the whole planet and see who is actually giving their lives to Jesus. When someone in China, when someone in the Middle East says, I'm going to sneak into the church because I love Jesus. And knowing that they're actually going to um, be beheaded is, 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 is he, so if that person is either a lunatic or he's a critical thinker. And if you're telling me the majority of the planet are lunatics, we have a problem. Converting a soul to Christ is not that easy. Guys, here's, here's, here's a sidekick, all right? So this is the problem with if, if we, here in our room right now, if we lose our passion for the nations and we just look at our own little community, this is what happens. You lose, you lose your vision. You're just spinning wheels and you lose context. One of the best ways you can understand the Bible is by broadening your worldview and looking at, looking, looking at the scripture to not just your own location. You know, so, he's, so people that are giving their lives away in, you know, in other parts of the world are either lunatics or they're critical thinkers going through deep process of deductive reasoning. It is not fair to say that, you know, people that follow Christ are not thinking. No, I'm not even using any metaphysics or any supernatural stuff. You know, Napoleon Bonaparte, the guy in the 18th century that conquered so much of landscape. Towards the end of the life, this is what he said, Jesus Christ alone, but he didn't conquer everything by love. Just the opposite, rather. Jesus Christ alone founded his empire upon love. And at, at this hour, millions of men will die for him. It's not some ordinary man making that statement. Millions of people today are willing to give their lives away because they have thought through intellectually what it means to follow Christ. You can go to India at the, at a city called uh, in Madras, and you will see, you will see the footprints of Apostle Thomas. Apostle Thomas, uh, I know most of you have been there, uh, to that St. Thomas Mount, the, the, the church. And he was beheaded 2,000 years ago. Now, it's not just another story of being beheaded. It is the, it is in, he was beheaded in the culture that did not believe in the Bible. And guess what? The story is still alive. It's not dead. That should say something. It is not, it's not, he was not beheaded in Atlanta. 
in a Christian community. He was beheaded in a place in the geographical location where Jesus was not even entertained. But yet, 2,000 years later, the story is still standing. Why wouldn't I believe in Jesus? If this world is that crafty that everything that we're believing is, 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 is just false about Jesus, we might as well end this. But that is not the case. That's not the case. You know, in the, in the, here's, another, here's another thing. So the Quran talks about Jesus being born to a virgin, the very religion that does not believe in the deity of Christ, authenticates nuances of the deity of Christ. Why would that be wrong? You know, we always challenge our children. I got four daughters. My, I remember this is about, she's, she's 16 now. I think she was 14 then. She and I, Priya and I were driving um, in Asheville and you know, she was going through an up, up and down with her faith. You know, it's, she doesn't like the Bible, she doesn't like God, she doesn't want to go to church. You know, so I said, this is the best time. I said, Priya, what if everything that mommy and daddy talk about is a bunch of lies? Then what? You know, you die and you realize, oh my gosh, there's nothing called Jesus at all. And she thought through for about two minutes and she responded to me and I thought, for that age it was profound. She said, Dad, say I die and I, I realize what all this Jesus thing is false. And I believed in it and at the end of my life I realized it is false. I still win because I've lived a good life. I've helped people. But the other option is pretty bad. That comes from deep thinking. In fact, we told, my wife and I told that uh, this Lent, this is way before I read, uh, watched the video, that we're going to take our children through Lent by actually questioning what if we are wrong. It is a healthy thing to do. We're not deconstructing the truth. We're having them challenge their own faith. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. In conclusion, guys, there's, you know, we all go to the nations. And you know it is not that easy to convert a soul. It is not an emotional thing. There's so much of intellect involved in it. So the notion that we Christians are converting people and following Christ because we don't use our intellect is, is false. So <clears throat> I was looking at this video. There, uh, there was some frustration in the process. And I was thinking, and God reminded me of something. He said, Chris, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the powers and the principalities of the darkness. So these guys are not our enemies. Behind them, there is a spiritual war going on that we need to fight. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you uh, for this, this word. And Lord, I pray, Father, that 
you will, you will dress us up with the armor of God. May we go for a spiritual fight against this culture, oh Lord. And Lord, we pray for people that are entertaining the idea of deconstructing your truth. Lord, I pray that they'd experience your love in a very intellectual way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the YWAM Orlando Teaching Podcast. Would you like to be in the room during a training like this? If you're ready to devote this season of your life to learning to live fearlessly and change the world by knowing God and making Him known, then go to ywamorlando.com and apply for free to our Discipleship Training School.